welcome to Urbanus podcast. I'm the host Donatas Urbanus and I'm joined by my weekly partner in crime, Ritis Vishnauskas. What's up, Ritis? What's up, Donatas? What's the crime here? Uh, <laughs> what are crime, we doing? What we're talking about <laughs> basketball from time to time. Because right. some 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 things might be foolish uh, for some basketball people. I hope not. I hope not. Yeah. And today we have a special ed- edition of Urbanus podcast. For the first time, we made a Q&A session. Uh, since Friday, we were waiting for your questions. And I'm happy to say that we received around 50 questions through a very different platforms uh, from YouTube, for YouTube community, also our personal Twitter accounts, basketnews.com yeah. Twitter account. So we're really, really thankful for all these questions. I, I was actually worried that we might not get enough Me questions too. for us to have a decent podcast uh, so I, I really didn't know what to expect but we launched uh, our posts on twitter also basketnews.com shared it and uh, of course the youtube comments and all of a sudden we have loads of questions and we still have to choose which ones we yeah. can cover so uh, kudos to everybody and thank you for helping us uh, with our podcast. Yeah, due to time limitations, we we try to choose something around uh, 10 uh, questions. Yeah. We will have 10, let's say, more serious questions yeah. and then three for the overtime. Yeah, some for, for fun. But obviously, this is a sign that we should do Q&A sessions maybe more often in the future. Yeah. If, if you are once interested. Once a month or once in two yeah. or three weeks. We'll see. We'll, we'll, you know. see. we'll see how it goes because right now we're, <laughs> exactly. we're, si- we're sitting here and last week there were no EuroLeague games. That so. was the best <laughs> timing for a Q&A podcast because yeah. we had no games. We already witnessing some postmo- postponements for this week uh, yeah. either. So it's funny that EuroLeague actually um, said that they don't need a break. They're not going to stop the season for, for a couple of weeks. But then they are forced to stop their season at least for one week. Uh, of course, this week we will probably have some games. I actually enjoyed so, enjoyed some ACB League matches uh, last weekend. Uh, Real Madrid against Juventud, also mm-hmm. a crazy game in Barcelona, Barca against Manresa. So yeah. there was some basketball and we are willing to see EuroLeague coming back as well. But let's start with uh, yeah. our listener and viewers' uh, questions. Uh, before that, uh, I have to present uh, our sponsor of this episode. It's uh, our friend NordVPN. Uh, they have a great Christmas deal at the moment, actually. Visit nordvpn.com and you can have a two-year plan uh, for only... 2.92 euros uh, per month and you can save uh, 72%. So that's a great price actually. And with NordVPN you can get a lot of good things. Uh, one of the examples, for example, Lithuania, I cannot watch uh, FIBA Champions League games on the YouTube, but with NordVPN, with one click, I can watch uh, all these games and it's, uh, it can happen the same with uh, all these streaming platforms like Netflix uh, uh, and Ever like that, and also uh, what is good that uh, this is the fastest VPN. Actually, you don't need to sacri- sacrifice speed for a better uh, security. Uh, you can secure your internet, of course. That's the biggest benefit of NordVPN. All your data stays safe behind a wall of next generation encryp- encryption. Um, when you're visiting some fishy websites, uh, let's say. Um, uninterrupted streaming, uh, uh, privacy on the go. You can use it on multiple devices, up to six devices, actually. So just visit nordvpn.com, check what they can offer, and it's a really good deal uh, at the moment. You actually convinced me to renew my subscription. Oh, really? (laughs) I'm happy that I have a free subscription 
at the moment. So, but as soon as it expires, it's it's really worth it. Uh, yeah, sounds like a good deal, and especially yeah. for sports fans. Okay, let's start with our questions, uh, and let's begin with uh, Picanrola's question: uh, Best Euroleague American of all time, and why? For me, it's an easy one. Anthony Parker. Anthony Parker is the Michael okay. Jordan of the Euroleague. He was crowned Air Parker. I know that um, maybe he didn't play as long as some other Americans like mm-hmm. Kyle Hines or Mike Batiste or many other legendary players. He was just too good to play in the Euroleague. During for his longer. stint in Maccabi, he was the greatest. He was unstoppable. He was so athletic and so powerful. He was so exciting. I mean, he played in a team with Sharas and Vujic. Maceo Bastin. Wow, it's, it's crazy. But but he was a dominant player, and he could have been a dominant player on any team at that moment in Europe. Of course, later on, he went to, to the NBA. He was a decent role player for the Cleveland Cavaliers, for the Toronto Raptors. But when he he was shining in Europe, it was like 2003, 2004, mm-hmm. 2005. Yeah, 2006. To, to me, he was the best. Yeah, he's a two-time EuroLeague champion, the only consecutive MVP of the EuroLeague, and he was super efficient scoring machine because, for example, um, b- between 2003 and 2005, he was scoring 16 and 18 points, uh, respectively, in the EuroLeague on 56 two-point shooting and 49 three-point shooting. And the best thing, what I liked about Anthony Parker, that he was not a selfish uh, scorer. And all this team managed to build such a good chemistry with all these individual talents. They managed to be so good, so successful, and so fun to watch for every basketball fan. And I, I consider them, I consider that Maccabi probably the best EuroLeague team of modern EuroLeague era since In the 21st century, right? Yeah. Just such a crafty player. I mean, he could do absolutely everything. He can be your ball handler, he can be your slasher, he can be... Um, a shooter. He was actually good on defense as well. You cannot really find any weak spots on his game. I mean, Anthony Parker, just an amazing example of a successful American player in the EuroLeague. Yeah, I remember I uh, had the podcast with Nikola Vucic and he admired his uh, personal abilities. Uh, Anthony Parker was super smart and he's already an assistant general, general manager of the Orlando Magic. And uh, I also find a funny story uh, about his two-down uh, set uh, play with uh, Sharas. Uh, they killed Pesaro team in 2005 uh, playoffs when Anthony Parker scored 20 points in the uh, second game and then they made the final four. And uh, Anthony Parker was so excited about that play because it always set him on offense and in good positions and it was uh, always happened by Sharas. Uh, so that uh, after the game, uh, they started to make it uh, as a like cheat code in the nightclubs, and it was like a secret, uh, let's say, cheat code uh, to say that let's let's begin the party. So <laughs> there was a good party uh, after that game in, in Pesaro, I think. And let's not forget that his sister is Candace Parker, mm-hmm. a two-time Olympic champion, what a family, and she's working right now on TNT covering the NBA. She's an amazing basketball player. And she's also an amazing basketball pundit, so what a family, really. By the way, uh, there's a Twitter account to follow, uh, our Lithuanian, let's say, a colleague, Darius Garuales, and he listed 
um, most points scored by American players in the EuroLeague. And we can find Mike James on the top with 2,954 points. Kyle Hines is second with 2,880. Then there is Marcus Brown, another great uh, American player in the EuroLeague. JC Carroll and Mike Budist. But uh, that's a great list, actually. But what I hate about all these stats right now and all these records, that it's so unfair uh, that yeah. uh, since the EuroLeague really changed the format, the regular season format, all these guys made the top of these uh, historical lists, lists just because they're not playing, let's say, 10 games like it was before, but they're playing 34 games at least without the playoffs. So it's just so unfair to make all these... I don't pay too yeah. much attention to yeah. all these records and, and lists, to be honest, purely because of those reasons. I mean, we know how good Anthony Parker was. Mm -hmm. And I don't really care where he is on all-time scorers list. Okay, so the second one comes from Cesare Milanti. And also Mantas had a similar question. Uh, Ritas and Donatas, if you had to choose a starting five and a coach to play with a new and imaginary EuroLeague 2021-22 uh, team, who would they be? Remaining realistic, Mirotic, Decolo, Mitic and Tavares uh, together don't count. Yeah, of course, it's easy to build a starting lineup with superstar players picking all the greatest players right now. But it was difficult but, to uh, remain realistic because w what is realistic? I tried to be realistic thinking about availability of these players. Would it be possible to sign them, let's say, next summer? Mm, having okay. a you decent budget. Uh -huh. Having a decent budget. I'm not saying uh, unlimited budget, but a good budget that allows you to compete with the Turkish teams, the Spanish okay. teams, and the Russian teams for for these players. So I was trying to be realistic. I don't know how realistic this is, to be honest. Uh, but my lineup would be like this. Uh, first of all, my idea is to play switch all defense, to play modern basketball, to have good spacing, uh, to have players that are able to shoot the ball in every position, but also can deliver a lot of physicality and um, defense. So I had to start with Lorenzo Brown as my point guard. Vasily Mitic, I listed him as unrealistic yeah. in this scenario. So Lorenzo Brown, I would say, of course, after this season in Kazan, he would be an expensive player, but he wouldn't be an impossible player to sign. So he could be my point guard. He proved to everybody, I believe, this season that he can actually control the team. He can be the, the, the floor general, and he also has great defensive abilities. That was actually the main issue in Fenerbahce and Zvezda, that because there was a feedback that Lorenzo Brown cannot involve other players. Not like an we're issue in Kazan. watching Unix this year, and you cannot, you're not com you cannot complain about his uh, floor general. Just a general. great point guard, so I pick him. Then for shooting guard, as you know me, I'm a fan of those pure shooters, mm -hmm. players that are listed as sharp shooters. And Kyle Kuric is one of the best at shooting the basketball in the EuroLeague right now. Also, as we talked previously, he can play extremely physical basketball. Yeah. He can be very good on defense. Um, he's a fighter. He's diving for loose balls. So for me, it's an easy choice. Besides he's my shooting guard. Three-point shooting is underrated yeah. in my eyes. And he's a veteran. So let's say he becomes a free agent. I don't think it would be unrealistic yeah, to sign I agree. Kalkovich. Yeah, your lineup is so far is super realistic, and I feel bad about my lineup with Mitic and Dorsey at the backcourt. <laughs> Small <laughs> forward. I think it would be possible to convince Nikola Kalinic that we should still have a go for a championship. Mm -hmm. I know you love Zvezda. I know that you love Zvezda fans. I know that you love Belgrade, and your family and everybody is there. 
but come on man you are a great player and you should be competing for championships every single season mm. at the very least playing in the playoffs so let's say 700k 800k i believe i could sign nikola kalinic mm-hmm. so he's my small forward power forward this man has been long enough in berlin and he still has at least two or three good seasons in him he can be an elite player on a very good team with his tremendous basketball IQ with his passing abilities um he's reading the game at the highest level i would say it's of course luke sigma from alba berlin again if he's a free agent i don't think it's impossible to sign him i could offer him more money than alba if he's he'll, playing in alba that means that he's really possible he'll, target I, i know he loves berlin i know he loves being there it's a great environment but i could convince him to join my project especially if your project is in barcelona for example so at center I have Lorenzo Brown so it would be a shame not to sign John Brown as okay. well. I was thinking whether I should go for Kyle Heinz or John Brown because both would fit my idea of switch all defense, but John Brown has more to offer on on offense. He he has a good mid-range jumper. Um he's a good pick and roll player as well. I can shift him to the power forward position in some lineups. A lot of possibilities uh, when you sign a player like John Brown. Uh again, of course his value is increasing right now but still I wouldn't see him as an impossible target. So this is my lineup and the coach Andrea Trinchieri. That's a good project for a uh, let's say top 8 contender the team which with some ambitions to actually fight for the final four. Yeah, of yeah, course yeah. this is the starting lineup. I would need to build a proper yeah. roster. I would need to have a bench and and a but lot I more would love to watch this team yeah. playing. So this is my idea. What's but yours? you 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 had an a great idea of joining all Browns in one lineup. Uh, all-time Brown I think there lineup are includes Lorenzo Brown, Bobby Brown probably, Marcus, Marcus Brown, John Brown, and we need one more Brown. We need one more Brown, man. Was there another uh, one? Uh either a power forward or a center because we can switch right. John Brown in these positions. It's it's tough. That's a tough one. Have to think about it. Maybe we'll But it's already a great lineup. Yeah. I have more expensive lineup actually. I was not so realistic because I I had Maslenitsch as my first pick. Uh I know that he he has only NBA out uh, next next summer. But I the idea of Vasilya Mitsich is that I would invest the most money first of all uh, for the head coach, uh but uh, talking about the lineup, uh, I would invest in guard. And especially now, point guard market is really bad in the Euroleague. It's so hard to find a good, solid uh, point guard for the Euroleague team. So, Vasily Mitsich, Lorenzo Brown is also a good example. Good floor general, uh, which could run your team. And next to the floor general, I would love to see another scorer, uh, splasher like Tyler Dorsey. Uh, he's still very young. He's 25. He's I cannot say that he's already elite. I cannot see that he he would be unaffordable. Uh but he's really great. He's promising that he might be the next let's say big thing in the Euroleague for for many years to come. Nikola Kalinic was also on my list. Uh I love uh foreman who could stretch the floor. So that's why I have uh, Sasha Vizenkov uh on my lineup. He's also not very expensive. Uh, I think it was reported that he gets around from 7 to 800 uh, euros in in Olympiakos. And for a center, uh to have a good mobile uh defensive center who could also use his post-up skills, who could be also very beneficial on the offense. I would love to see Brandon Davis. Uh he's also 
the player from the top shelves. But let's say he is after Tavares, after Milutinov, after Jan Vesely. So he's still not at least uh, the best, best big man or like Tavares, which was mentioned uh, by Cesare. And who's coaching these guys? Uh, I'm taking Shurunas Esekiavicius, my friend. Okay, I'm kind of disappointed by his COVID remarks. Uh, I made this roster before I heard what he said, <laughs> but if I if I'm building a team which will be which will have less talent than the other teams, I trust this coach because he might uh, he improves uh, his players. I don't think that any team with Vasilya Mitsich on their roster will have less talent than. I know, I know, I know. And don't you think that? I mean, if you suggest this idea to Vasa himself, he might be against it. I'm not asking Vasa what he thinks about my lineup. I'm just ordering is, him to play Shara's for my team. Is the best coach for Vasa to be the superstar that he is right now? I mean, Vasily Mitic is not Mike James. He I know. Play. I know. He'll play. And, I mean, Sharas is super strict, but the same example fits to Nikola Mirotic. I mean, he was also a great scorer. He could decide games by himself. He could be the system by him uh, by himself. But Charles managed to implement him in, in his uh, his famous system. Yeah, of course, I'm just joking. It's, it would be a winning team, a winning formula with these players and Charles as a coach. But um, I like my lineup as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hendrikas Linkavichus asks us about NBA All-Star Game idea, uh, USA players uh, versus World. Who would start the game for both teams? And who would win? And imagine they would play for real Game 7 in the finals. Hmm. It was so difficult to rule some players out of this because some great players were left out in my list. But it has to be five on five, right? L- let's go by matchups. Right. So Team USA and against Team World and the point guard. Based position. on based on this season, for me it's Lorenzo Brown against Vasily Mitic. But if based on bigger context, broader context than just this season... Of course, I would go with Mike James, but right now it's Lorenzo Brown with Mitic. <laughs> What's funny, for some reason, I thought that this question is about the NBA. <laughs> so I put Luka Doncic against Drew Holiday. <laughs> oh, we have to go like this? I have no idea. Maybe I misunderstood the question. But mm. but bring your bring your lineups. I will bring okay. my, my lineups okay, from the man. NBA. So Shane Larkin goes against Decolo. So at shooting guard, uh, let's b- get back with point guard position. Mitic against uh, Lorenzo Brown. Lorenzo Brown. Okay. Then Shane Larkin against Nando Decolo. Mm-hmm. Then Will Clyburn against Mario Hezonia. Okay. John Brown against Nikola Mirotic. John Brown already made the list. I mean, it's based on this season. If okay. I if I would be yeah, selecting yeah, all stars for this season against Mirotic, and I select only Americans, who's the better power forward right now than John Brown? Mm-hmm. And at center, Eddie Tavares against Brandon Davis. But Tavares is not... What? It's world. Yeah, okay. It's yeah, world. Yeah, it's not Europe. Yeah, yeah, okay. Right? But maybe I misunderstood the question. So if if, if, if it's about the, the NBA... My problem. If it's about the NBA, then it's a completely different story. Yeah. My, my team world was Luka Doncic, Patty Mills, actually. Because Patty Mills in FIBA basketball is like Steph Curry. So had Patty Mills on my list. One of Bogdanovich's. Boy and Bogdan, I don't care. I like them both. Uh, Yanis and Rudy Gobert against... Ooh, there's no Nikola Jokic. No. I need defensive center Ooh, in this man, lineup. Man, in FIBA basketball, I would always pick Jokic. I need a defensive center. 
I want to switch in defense. Switch with Rudy Gobert. It's better option than Nikola Jokic, oh, my man. Come on. Really. He, 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 he would have a lot of problems defensively. Do you remember Rudy Gobert basketball. playing in FIBA tournaments? Was he really that great? He was good. He was solid. And do you remember? I don't need him uh, as my focal player. Do you remember Nikola Jokic playing in FIBA tournaments? I have Luka Doncic. Mike Toby was a superstar with Luka Doncic. So, okay, he's a different type wow, of player. But, I mean, Nikola Jokic is... I need Rudy one of the most skilled reasons, players really. in the world right now, but it's an all-star game. It's an all-star game. I I had this uh, this one for game seven of the finals. Fine, fine, but <laughs> I don't I don't really have a scenario where I'm picking Rudy Gobert over Jokic. To Just be for some specific lineups, really. Right. <laughs> I like that. I I'm shocked you. I would love to have two MVPs. Both Jokic and I don't care and about Giannis. individual awards, really. And this team is built on guards, and I have Yanis also. Jesus so. Christ, Nikola Jokic is the most dominant player in the world, maybe. Rudy Gobert cannot play any but post I'm not up so offense. I'm sure if he's built for winning, for a championship. Is Rudy Gobert built for winning in a championship? At least he was in finals. <laughs> when? Olympic final? Come on. So Jokic was an Olympic final in Rio. <laughs> what are you saying? NBA finals. France had a no. better shot at it. <laughs> Come on. So USA in Rio had a better team than in Tokyo. Mm. Serbia and Rio? What you're talking USA. about? USA. You said France oh, had a better shot. Oh. Of course France got a better yeah, shot they because better they, they were facing a weaker yeah. team USA. Do not focus on Rudy Gobert. I have Luka Doncic on my no, team. No, I know that you have Luka I Doncic. I a defensive center. But, but I mean, all-star players, you're picking the best player in that position without overthinking it, how they would play together. Nikola Jokic is the best. I don't care about the all-star best. game. I care about uh, fine, game seven, fine. the finals. Nikola Jokic is the best center in the world. Rudy Gobert cannot play a single poster. I, I don't need any poster. <laughs> I have Luka Doncic, Giannis, and all these guys like Mills and Bogdanovic. Fine, man. Fine, man. I'm just, I mean, like, I'm offended. I just need a presence in the paint. I'm just That's a little it. bit offended that that you're picking Rudy Gobert over Nikola Jokic. That's all. I just need to win a title. Fine. Nikola Jokic didn't win a title yet. So Rudy Gobert also didn't win a title. He yet. will help me to win the title. <laughs> Jokic would help you, man. He's a wow. better role player for that lineup. Fine. Than Jokic. Fine. Because Go. you have to build your game again uh, around Nikola Jokic, in my eyes. I think Nikola and I have Yanis and Luka Doncic already on my team. Man, I, think I just need good role players. I think with Nikola Jokic, any player that he has around him, that player will be even better than he is in his current team. Right. Okay. I will be killed by Serbian <laughs> fans. For just, this one. just continue. The Americans. Mm, I had Drew Holiday. Just for defensive reasons, Steph Curry, KD, LeBron, and I had doubts for center position. But I took uh, Draymond Green. Just to put that, uh, let's say, mobile lineup on the floor. I like what they did in, in the previous Olympics. I don't have nothing to say. I'm still shocked. <laughs> <laughs> let's move on. And which team of your selection, uh, U.S. players against Team World, would win the wow, game? Wow, I'm I'm thinking on the spot right now. Uh, which team would win? Yeah, from my from your. Hmm. 
I would go with Europeans, actually. I pr- I prefer the American basketball more. But, but this time you this, this, have this team, I think Tavares will deal with Brandon Davis. I think that uh, Mitsic is still a little bit better than Lorenzo Brown. Of course he's better. I think that the Colo matches Shane Larkin. Um, and then you have like Hazoni against Will Clyburn. We're we're saying that Will Clyburn is the best small forward in the league, but are you Hazonia? This year he's not as good as he was before. Yeah, and Hazonia Hazonia that's skills, logical because his Hazonia skills are amazing, really. So I'm going with the Europeans in this case. In my case, I don't need any explanation, right? Because if there's a Rudy Gobert on the court, they're not winning the game. And you're playing Patty Mills against Steph Curry. And then Patty Mills is like Steph Curry in FIBA game. Really. Steph Curry is, that is great. Steph Curry in any game. <laughs> I'm not I'm not I'm not uh, discussing Team USA ability to win that game. I still have them Kevin, in this game. Kevin Durant and LeBron James. Of course. No, they're good. And you I'm not saying that Europeans will win the game. Okay. Team World, sorry. Okay, we have the fifth question, Yaroslav. I know that it's going to be hard for you to continue the pod, but l- let's give, give yeah, your yeah. best. Yeah. Give your best. It's cool. It's cool. Because Yaroslav ha- has some feedback for uh, our or maybe even let's say your um, thoughts about Olympiacos. His my question is why you all always call Olympiacos as ready final four material. Why not? Easy. They have not enough quality. First of all, you need a pair true stars to belong. Whom will you join? Uh, whom will you point? Only Lucas, but he's not young and he's not a caliber of Tavares, Clyburn, Mirotic, Hezonia, or Mitic and Volkop. Come on, you like him because he's a former Zhargadis player. Dorsey, Vizenkov, uh, Shaq, they are good, but every team in the competition has a couple of such. So Reds will be in the playoffs, I am sure, especially meaning their excellent start, but Final Four. Barca, Real, three Russian teams, yeah, each. Uh, oh, yeah, Yaroslav is, is is high on Russian teams. Milano and even FS have more chances to travel to Berlin, in my opinion. Uh, so, yeah, I agree. There are like six or seven uh, Final Four caliber teams right now. Uh, three of them are very obvious, the two Spanish teams and Zeska. Doesn't matter where Zeska is right now in the standings. You always see them in the Final Four. And there's one spot. And that fourth spot is not always filled with the best team with superstars on their roster. I mean, Olympiacos is an example of a good team. Not necessarily a team built of superstars, but a team with good chemistry, good balance. There's leadership. There's great defenders. Um, I don't see any reason why they wouldn't yeah, we always win had some playoff series like Olympiacos right now. We had Bayern. They were very close recently. to making the final four. Jalgiris also Lokomotiv. Uh, it was not a team of superstars. Uh, let's so say Partizan. Yeah, there are examples, and uh, of course, at the moment we don't know who they would face in the playoffs and where will they finish in the regular season. If they finish with home court advantage, and they avoid, I don't know. On a dollar FS that would be in a very good shape at that time. Why not? But I'm not saying that there are three teams in the final four with reserve spots and uh, Oli is the fourth one with the quality and others cannot be there. Of course, Mil- Milan can be there. Of course, Unix Kazan with the way they're playing, they can be there. 
it's fine margins between these teams. I'm just saying that Olympiacos, the way they're playing so far this season, to me, they look like a very solid team that could actually make the Final Four. Will they make the Final Four? That's a big if. Yeah, we'll I see. also don't have them as a Final Four lock, but I like their chances a lot. Yeah, they're a complete uh, team. They're very built offensively. It's a team-oriented, uh, team basketball-oriented uh, group of guys. Uh, with Lucas leadership, with Dorsey scoring, uh, Vizenkov, uh, Papa Nicolaou also fall is, is is doing great and what's interesting that they have a second best offensive rating in the Euroleague and by saying they're most complete one of them probably the most complete team in the Euroleague I'm saying that they have the fir- third best defense in the Euroleague so they have a good coach uh, good chemistry good group of guys and okay they are not stars but again as I said Tyler Dorsey is just 25 Vizenko 26 Slukas is not that old yet he's 31 so they're good man they can make the final four, of course, but they're not final four lock. That's that's for sure. Definitely, there's no such thing as a final four lock. To be honest, in, in the Euroleague right now, you never know. Uh, Saska, it's uh, Saska. I mean, for so many years they've been in the final four. It, it, but except again, from I mean, year with Dusko Vujovic. But again, if your struggles continue in the regular season, but you see, they're not. You, they're not. You, yeah, you yeah, might yeah. face I like agree. Barcelona or Real Madrid in the playoffs, and one of these yes, elite teams yes. will lose. So. We will see what happens, but uh, obviously Olympiacos can be there. And my point was simply that I was making a prediction. Mm-hmm. Predictions are not always based on logic and what should happen. Predictions is, is something that you, I don't know, you're, you're trying to think out of the box and come up with something a little bit more interesting than the yeah, yeah, yeah. the most predictable stuff. So my prediction was that Anadol FS will not play the Final Four this year, and Olympiakos is the team that could actually be there. I'm not I'm not saying this is a guarantee. I'm not Charles Barkley. <laughs> okay, Marius uh, Rutkowskas. Hi, could you two name a player for every EuroLeague Top 8 team at the moment, which you would add from the top... 918 teams to improve the chances of winning the Euroleague. Thanks. So Barcelona. Who would you add? Because I was thinking about I for Barca I need some defensive presence on the perimeter. Uh some player who could also play low post basketball, who could also make a three pointer. And I was thinking about Nikola Kalinic actually. Yanis Papapeto was also on, on my list, but I prefer Nikola Kalinic. Ah, too easy, Nikola Kalinic. We know that Tratas actually wanted him, so it's a very easy choice. It seems that they're not signing Gabriel Deck. Mm-hmm. So Nikola Kalinic, if there would be an option, yeah. Real Madrid. Uh, by the way, kudos to Real. I mean, signing Gabriel Deck, and they signed Yabusele to a three-year extension. That's amazing job in January. It's a way to start at 2022. I don't really know who Real Madrid need. They have uh, such a deep roster. It's just a matter of everyone being healthy. However, we're seeing Yabusele in some games playing like 35, 33 minutes. And we're seeing that Anton Randolph is just not the same yet after an Achilles injury. And Trey Tompkins is also dealing with some issues of his own. So I would just add Luke Sigma for team chemistry and he would be a player to take some minutes from Yabusele and he could fit the system. The way the the way Pablo Lasso is playing, he needs players that can pass the ball, he needs 
power forwards that can stretch the floor, and Luke Sigma ticks all the boxes. So I would add him to the roster. I would like to see a game changer for Real backcourt because I like all these players, but I don't see, let's say, any elite uh, player in their backcourt. Elite, I would say, as a game changer. And as a game changer for this Real roster, I would see probably Nando De Colo or Mike James. Just someone who's better than Nigel Williams, guys, Thomas Hortel or Fabian Cozer, Rudy, Sergio Lul. They are great. They're great guys. But some of them, uh, they're just declining. Some of them, they're not meeting the expectations yet. So to improve their chances, they're already very good. But what I'm afraid of, that when everybody was healthy in Barca, they were struggling to beat uh, Barcelona. So I need some, some improvements, not just a role player. To, to, to make the bench deep. This task is kind of unfair because we get to choose from Vesely and Decolo. These are playoff uh-huh. playoff players. They would upgrade any yeah. top eight team. So I actually tried to to make it av- avoid yeah. Vesely or Decolo. Uh-huh. And I was picking from teams like Alba Bosconi or, or Zvezda, Panathinaikos and and others. Rules are rules, so I yeah, yeah. Now, now I get it. I get it. I'm just saying that Olympiacos. What do you have for Olympiacos? Well, um, I think they need a shooter. I w- I've, I've been saying this for quite a while that they need a good shooter. Mm, I'm just thinking who could be the guy, and I'm gonna say another player from Alba Berlin. Okay, Marcus, Marcus Ericsson. Marcus Eriksson, he's a good shooter. He has size. Uh, he can play as a shooting guard, as a small forward. And you would not expect him to play like big minutes in a team like Olympiacos. You just need him to be there to make a couple of shots, play like 15 or 16 minutes. In some games, he might be a game changer. In other games, he might stay a little bit silent. But I could see him playing for Olympiacos. Uh, I like their backcourt. I'm not so sure about their mm, centers, but I also wanted to add some skill uh, to their forward position. And uh, it also uh, covers the checkpoint of having another guy who can make a free. And I want some skills, so that's why I took uh, Simone Fontecchio. I think that he's a very good team-oriented player again, and he would uh, really uh, fill this roster in a very nice way. Yeah, Yeah, fair enough. Zenit. Uh, Zenit is it's difficult because, okay, I if Shabazz Napier is on board, I'm okay with the point guard uh, position. If he's not, I would take Elio Kobo, Scott Vilbikin, uh, for example, just to add some point guard uh, scorer, which uh, Xavi wanted before the season signing Shabazz uh, Napier. But if we have Shabazz Napier, I'm thinking about mm, frontline players. I couldn't find a star player for the front line, so I took skilled big men who could fill both power forward or center positions, and I'm thinking about Augustin Rubert, uh, Rubitz or Luke Sigma. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, at the moment, without Shabazz Napier, they need creativity, so the easiest and most obvious decision would be to bring Nando De Colo there, yeah. uh, which would solve... A lot of problems for Xavi Pasquale, uh, but I went the same way as you, and I wanted 
to add another power forward. I could move Jordan Mickey more often to the center position. I would have more options. Maybe Zubkov and his minutes would suffer. He's doing a great job. He's a decent, solid Russian veteran. But I would simply bring back Will Thomas. Yeah, I was also thinking about that. He was a great fit for uh, Zenit and Xavi Pasquale. I think that it was just a bad divorce for both sides. Because just like in real life, when sometimes bad divorce happens, sometimes uh, these two pieces have to come together again. And that would be a perfect fit because I don't see Will Thomas being very happy in Monaco. And I see that Zenit, they're missing player like Will Thomas, actually. Bring him back. Unfortunately, the transfer window is over for maybe for the next year. If in our, Thomas won't be... In our fantasy scenario, okay, he's coming back. Okay, I'm good. Uh, Unix Kazan. They need a center. They need a big. Um, they need a center that could be mobile. Um, I had a couple of suggestions. Actually, one of them was Josh Nebo, but then I thought about Josh Nebo still making those silly mistakes on defense. Rookie mistakes. Rookie mistakes. And um, I picked uh, another center again that doesn't have that much experience, but don't I, hold, I don't no? see that many flaws in his game. No. It's uh, Steven Enoch from, mm, from okay. Basconia. Enoch is having a good season. Mm-hmm. Um, he has a lot to offer on offense as well. We're not talking only about defense, but um, he's a center that can shoot the ball. He is very efficient in the paint. So I could see him playing for Kazan, improving that team. Yeah. I took Jan Vesely, actually. A bit unrealistic scenario. Rules are rules, but... I was thinking about yesterday, Jan Vesely. Also, I had a wild scenario with Donta Hall because you can just imagine the team flying with Donta Hall, Maria Hezonia, uh, Lorenzo Brown, Voroncevic on the floor, for example. That would be a great lineup. Um, yeah, of course. Again, Vesely is the obvious choice. So, of course, Vesely is a better player than Steven Enoch. But again, I, I, I respect I your choice. I understand your, your players besides Vesely yeah. and Nicolo. Milan. I have two positions to improve, actually. Again, I was thinking about Jan Vesely, but uh, Unix already drafted Jan Vesely. Yeah. So I have Darun Hilliard uh, for a shooting guard or even a small forward position to cover uh, Shawan Shields' absence. He also He's a good scorer. He can make a three. That's what they need in the shooting guard position. He could be a great addition for them right now. So... Everything's okay with their key players. They just mm. need some more quality in in their on their bench actually, because some of the Americans they signed they are not delivering, like Jerian Grant, for example. And I would need a role player. Since this is a veteran team, I would like someone also with plenty of experience. Um, and yeah, when they lost. Mitoglu, because of an injury, they signed Benjamin Bentil. Um, they have Nicolo Melli. I would like to see, actually, Deshaun Thomas there, if Mitoglu is not available, to have him and Melli in the power forward position. Also, Deshaun Thomas, if if Atore Messina decides to go big, can play as a small forward. He would fit the defensive system, I would say, and he has a lot of experience, so it would not be a problem for him to play with Kyle Hines, Malcolm Delaney, Sergio Rodriguez, and all the others. I mean, these players like Deshaun Thomas, Will Thomas, they're just 
great for any team. That's a, especially it's a great in-season addition for for every yeah. playoff uh, team or even Final Four contender. Yeah. CSKA. You're also looking for a point, point guard? Again, the Colo would be the... <laughs> I agree. <laughs> the, I actually the had the Colo. Choice. But no. Um, Scotty Wilbekin. Mm-hmm. Scotty Wilbekin, maybe he's a little bit inconsistent. He gets criticized a lot. Still, to me, he's a better player than Ife Lundberg. Mm-hmm. He's an upgrade. I... I mean, there might be a problem with Shved and Wilbekin together. You will need to search for some solutions, but Scotty Wilbekin adds quality. Uh, Dimitri Strudis would come up with a plan how to hide him on, on, on the defensive end. So, yeah, Scotty Wilbekin from Maccabi. Yeah, I, I had Nando De Colo because for Real, uh, if we cannot have two players for two teams, uh, the same player for two teams, so I had Mike James for Real Madrid and Nando De Colo for for Cesca for obvious uh, reasons. Great ball handler who can run the uh, run the floor in the decisive moments of the game. So he would be amazing fit uh, for Cesca right now. And it was actually hard to find another good ball handler for Cesca to be, let's say, sure that he will fit in this team and he will help and he will have less flaws when when advantage uh, and advantages he can offer for the team. And the last one, uh, Anadolu Efes. We actually had some questions about them, about Petrushev, uh, about uh, their need to improve the center position. So did you find a player to cover that sp- spot, that position? Or you were looking for a different position? Nope, different position. Kunoslav Simon is getting old. I need a small forward that, crazy that, w- that, would be, that would be more athletic. Um, so for me, it's actually an easy choice. Vladimir Lucic. Mm-hmm. He would improve the team definitely. Lineup with Vasa, Mitic, Shane Larkin, and Vladimir Lucic. That would be something. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lucic has star power in him. Uh, it's unfortunate that he had some serious injuries throughout his career, but the way he's playing for the last couple of years in Bayern Munich, it's great. Really, one of the best small forwards in the Euroleague when he's healthy. So. No-brainer for me. Anadolu FS signing Vladimir Lucic would change everything. Yeah, I agree. And I, there w- I, I I don't think he would have any issues to adjust. No, for no. example, like Elijah Bryant is having uh-huh. when he joined this Anadolu FS team. But Vladimir Lucic, I think he could play straight away. I tried to find a good center for them. And I was uh, choosing between Augustin Rubit uh, and Jalen Reynolds. I like Rubit in a way that he's more complete player and he's let's say he would be an easier fit for FS because Jalen Reynolds I think he requires some attention on offense he could need some time to adjust but skill wise especially on offense he, he's a better player than Augie Rubit in, in my eyes Augustin Rubit to me he's kind of similar and I would compare him to Adrian Mormon power forwards more than centers but I get it that Anadolifus ideally would like to have a center that stretches the floor. Mm. Tibor Plyce does that, but he had Sir Tachanli last season. He was so important. So I could imagine Augustin Rubin playing as a center for them. Seventh question. Komaja, Komaja comes up with uh, what are your predictions for coaches' changes in the upcoming season? Who and where might be transferring? And also we have a kind of similar question from Linder. Uh 
um, how important is good coaching? That's probably important, let's say. And can you two rank your top five coaches in the EuroLeague? So top five coaches and before our predictions for the coaching changes in the coming uh, season. Um, yeah, top five coaches. Well, first of all, good coaching is extremely important. It's crucial. It's impossible to be uh, successful without good coaching. And coaching methods differ. Mm. From Ataman, no one from, right a, from Ataman to Sharas and then Messina and all the others, everybody has their own philosophy and idea. But for me, one thing is always the same. It's not about the tactics and the way you draw plays on a board. Every coach can draw a play. Uh, it's about man management and um, it all starts from there. Players have to believe in you. You, ha you have to deal with players from dif different backgrounds with different characters and egos and if you are able to handle your players and bring them to a unit to a team tactics then is the easiest part actually scouting reports tactics preparing a game plan is the easiest part first of all you have to convince the players that we're here to win championships and you have to believe in me in my system And if it, if they do believe in you, if they follow you, then everything else is quite simple, actually. And uh, what I also think that the best coach uh, for Real Madrid, for example, and the best coach for Bayern Munich or Jalgiris Kaunas, that's Decent. a different coach, different uh, person. Oh, for sure. So it's, it's every situation different. is so different and all these best coach examples. Yeah, You wouldn't trust Pablo Lasso to coach Jalgiris, yeah. but at the same time you wouldn't trust... Juras Dovts to coach Real Madrid, so obvious. But yeah, top five coaches, again, I'm being biased. I'm just picking those that I admire the most and my favorite coaches, let's say. Not necessarily top five, that one is better than the other. Yeah. Uh, number one for me is Dimitri Studis. Modern basketball, everything's about numbers and spacing and... He won EuroLeague twice, so he was... He could have won more, he he, he could have won more yeah, of yeah, course. Yeah. But I think there's still more to come. Yeah. So Itudis is number one um, for me. He um, on my list. And also because of his uh, fluent English, I could see him working in EMBA actually mm -hmm. from the European coaches that we have right now. He's one of the candidates. Um, number two, Xavi Pasquale. He's the coach that um, resurrects teams. He went to Zenit when they were dead. Uh, then actually next season they had an even lower budget. But they built a team that made the playoffs and Barcelona had to go through hell in order to reach the Final Four and beat Zenit in five-game series. So Xavi Pascual, of course, you need to give him freedom to build a team the way he wants to. But when he has the tools, he's a genius. He's a basketball genius, so number two for me. He's a game-changer, that's for sure. Number three, Pablo Lasso. Mm -hmm. I just love him. I love the way Real Madrid's playing. I'm not so sure if Pablo Lasso would be successful in a different environment, mm -hmm. but he's in Madrid for 10 years already, and he's going to stay a lot longer. He's building a dynasty. Real Madrid is the best organization in Europe, in my opinion, because they can afford to sign players for five-year contracts and also make money from buyouts. And Pablo Lasso, I'd say he's, he's a romantic because he loves beautiful basketball. He's allowing his players to improvise. If you're hot, if you made f two consecutive three-pointers, no one's going to judge you if you take an off-balance shot like Sergio Yul or, or Rudy Fernandez does. And Thomas Ertel, for example, 
he's enjoying playing for Pablo Lasso. Yeah, you mentioned man management. So Pablo Lasso is the best definition for a good coach for a man management. He's good for Americans. He's good for Europeans. He local players Spanish, as well. Speaks English. He involves all these young players. Twenty youth team members were involved in Real Madrid's uh, main roster. And he's so calm. Ten years. I mean, of course, sometimes he gets technical fouls. Uh, he can fire up very quickly. Usually, he's so calm. Of course, this comes with experience. Uh, but Pablo Lasso is a great, great character. So number three, number four for me, Sharas. It's all about the system, about the rules, about the principles. You can like or dislike the way they're playing, the way they're winning, but he proved to everybody that he can demand a lot from superstar players mm -hmm. as well as he did when he worked in Jalgris with players that were not stars yet. He made them actually stars. Mm -hmm. So... He did an amazing job with Jalgiris and of course sooner or later he will win the EuroLeague. Yeah, and he already so. did an amazing job with Barca in his first year, reaching the finals, uh, winning the uh, Spanish League, uh, Copa del Rey uh, as well. So it was a great, great success for him. And Etram Messina ends your top five because I have him on my list. Could be out of it, respect. For, for me, it was a... Uh, Mostly it's, it's out of respect, the, the culture he brings, the culture he builds in his in all of his uh, teams, the way how, talking about man management, the way how he improved in this uh, area. And again, uh, the fifth selection, actually Messina was my fifth selection in, in this uh, top five. It was really hard because there are a lot of uh, coaches very close to that top five line. My fifth selection is... Messina's compatriot, Andrea Trinchieri. Mm -hmm. that, that was the first name. Uh, I mean, the charisma and sometimes arrogance is really, a lot of times is really <laughs> spectacular, but it's so entertaining. And what's he, what's he done with, with Bayern Munich and, and previously with Bamberg? Uh, it's amazing. And you just... You just want to see him with an elite team actually to compete for a championship. There is this question mark whether Andrea Trinchieri would be successful, mm -hmm. let's say, with Barcelona or Cesca. But in my opinion, he would. He would find a way to win with superstar players as well as he's winning with some role players and some veterans right now in, in, in Germany. Unfortunately, he's under the contract until 2023. So if we go back to the first part of the question uh, about our predictions for coaching changes in the upcoming uh, summer, there's a short list of coaches who are under the contract. Lasso, uh, these coaches will be uh, unsigned, they are signed until 2023. Lasso, Jesikiewicz, Itudis, Chavi, Ataman, uh, Trinchieri, and Priftis. Also, Georgievich was signed until 2024. Uh, all these coaches are on an expiring contracts. Messina, to my surprise, uh, Barsokas, he's also expiring, but probably you'll agree that there are no reasons to believe that they should leave the job, unless, for example, Barsokas will get an offer from CSKA. Uh, then we have Perasovic, Obradovic, Sasha Obradovic, uh, Radonjic, uh, Zdovs, and Israel Gonzalez on expiring contracts. I'm just not so sure about Radonjic. But my guess about the coaching uh, about the coaching change is Yanis Feropoulos. He's also on an expiring contract. And uh, I like Yanis Feropoulos. I don't think that he's the main reason of uh, tough Maccabi stretch or um, disappointing experience in the previous season. But I just feel that I'm not sure if the board in Maccabi will be united enough 
to to believe in, in Sforopoulos project. I just think that the easier way for them will be change the coach and also for the sake of fans, for example. Unfortunately. Who would you see replacing? I have Sforopoulos? no idea. I have no idea, really. Mm. A lot of depends on who will be free on the market because you you never know um, all these contracts you didn't mention i believe nevin's here was his situation oh yeah <laughs> i don't with remember I, I will google it quickly but Bosconia. usually all these mid-season changes mid-season coaching changes are based on uh Saving he might be uh, just a second because Bosconia he might be signed for the next year too could be looking on the market as well mm-hmm Okay. But still, Maccabi Mac- is the obvious one. Until the end of the season. They're okay. So, Maccabi, they will make changes. Basconia, it's also very likely that they will start yeah, yeah, yeah. from scratch with somebody. Maybe Parasovic will come back, you know. <laughs> it's Ivanovic, Spahi, and Parasovic. They cannot sign anybody else because... Pedro they like all these strict coaches. They had Pedro Martinez. And of course, if Parasovic will continue doing what he's done uh, with yep. Unix, there there's no reason to... To fire him. Yeah, I would like to to have Sferopoulos in Kolnas, for example. Talked about that would be talked about an ideal. It, yeah. Okay, the eighth cl- uh, question. Lucas G and Stratos Huvardas also had a similar question. Three things, quickly, three things which could be done to make your league more interesting. Can you start? Uh, I'm still addicted to my Netflix idea, so I would make a Netflix docu-series. Uh, Oh, before uh, telling my free things, I have to say that I already like the content, let's say content, I like the product on the court. Every game matters, the quality of the game, the intensity of the game, it's just amazing. So I want to improve what's outside the court. So it's Netflix docu-series. I would also change the way EuroLeague works with the social media, uh, but the content uh, media-wise, uh, for example, I would improve that area a lot. I think that they need some more uh, engagement, more attention from the fans worldwide and working with these on these platforms. And on the court, let's say, uh, I would change the playoff format. First of all, no Final Four. Uh, playoff uh, series uh, from eight finals. Yeah, my uh, we already discussed my ideal regular season format with uh, five teams advancing to the quarterfinals, uh, teams from fifth to twelfth seed making the eight finals, last two teams relegated, and um, since the eight finals to the final series, uh, I would have a playoff format of best of five, something like that. Yeah, these are good ideas. Uh, I could add something about basketball rules mm-hmm. i would liberate the flagrant fouls um mm-hmm. i would go with the nba approach a clear path foul or if it's an unnecessary contact uh, to the f- to the head there yeah, yeah, yeah. something like that an elbow something that is really unsportsmanlike because some of these calls are ridiculous I agree, completely agree. Someone's just trying to stop the fast break. Uh, not it's, it's not, it's not, it's not a clear path foul in the middle of the court uh-huh. and you're you're giving the flagrant. So I would change these rules, first of all. Another thing, I would add the ability to call a timeout on the court. Again, NBA has it f- for a lot of years. 
it gives you more buzzer beaters, game winners, mm-hmm. and more opportunities more to win, win, win the game in the last seconds and more value to your timeouts. You need to save the timeouts. And again, it eliminates the scenarios where somebody misses a free throw on purpose because there's a second left. Uh-huh. You're, let's say, up by two. The first free throw goes in or goes out, doesn't matter. You miss the second one on purpose because what the opponents can do, they can grab a rebound and throw the ball over, over the court. Mm-hmm. If there's a possibility to call the timeout when grabbing grabbing the rebound, it's different. So I would add these two components from the NBA, and then we're good to go. Hmm. Everything else is, is okay. I don't need defensive free seconds. I don't uh-huh. need basket interferences. Only these two things flagrant fouls, and timeouts on the court. So easy to make the game, the EuroLeague, even more exciting. Yeah. Uh, Dominika Seregashas, uh, hi, gentlemen. EuroLeague has been talking about a London-based team in the league for a while now. How much do you know about that? Is there a plan in place, and how realistic is it? So to start with the, let's say, inside information, uh, not much. For, for, for many years, we were, we were hearing for all these speculations. I remember talking with basketball people, and they were saying, oh, do you hear that Jelko Bradovic might be the head coach for that new project because he's stepping down from uh, Fenerbahce, so that's the next big thing for him. Oh, did you hear that Mauricio Herdini will run that project? Oh, it sounds very exciting, but uh, more or less it's one of these conspiracy theories like about COVID or 9-11. So <laughs> just... It's, it's, a, it's a big myth. Yeah, it's a big myth. A uh, team in London is a big uh, myth. Uh, what is a big myth is uh, also Gedimna Jemalis, a famous business, businessman in Vilnius. Uh, he's ready to launch a team, new project in Vilnius, uh, it will be for the next season or the for the season 2023 and 24. It's not uh, fully clear yet. Uh, okay, he's launching a new team in Vilnius, but I heard the rumor that there was a, at least a brainstormed idea of starting the team in Vilnius, but for example, in a long-term scenario, playing EuroLeague games in London. In O2 Arena? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. But just in in London. I don't know, man. About about I mean about basketball in England. Uh, when you bring an NBA game there, you can fill the arena. NBA tried it; it worked. But to have a club out of nowhere that's playing in the Euroleague, first of all, you would have to explain to all all the people in London what's the Euroleague mm-hmm. and why you should go there. Um, Unless you, you, if you focus on immigrants, but but you would have to sign. Big names immediately. Of course, of course you need immediately. Th- there's no time. From the first season, from the very beginning, you need to have big names, very mm-hmm. big names. And it's not only about Jelko Bradovic. Uh, I need th- NBA I names, actually. You need NBA, NBA names, players. players, right? Um, I don't know if it's, it, it would work. I remember that London Towers were playing in, in the EuroLeague, I, I believe. One of the worst teams we ever had in the EuroLeague. Yeah, so it's not a basketball country. It's a big market, which is why people are talking about yeah. it. They have a great venue, O2 Arena. It's just not a basketball country. Yeah, we were talking about the NBA division in Europe for years, and the same happens uh, with London. Yeah. Every every year or two, the question comes up again. Tenth question, uh, football stand. Uh, hello, guys. How and according to what you would be completing the squad next season? 
Well, first of all, I would be learning from my mistakes. Oh yeah, there were a lot of mistakes to learn. So replacing seven or eight players from the current roster. Okay, so who do you keep? One of us. I still need some Lithuanians. Um, he, for me, as a small forward, he's a good glue guy yeah. in a low-budget team like Jarvis. I'm keeping a lot of us. I'm keeping Lekavic as, as, as a backup, uh, like a sixth backward player. Yeah. Someone who comes from the bench, gives mm-hmm. energy, plays like 15 or 16 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, Milaknis, I would keep him for a year. It would not be very expensive. He can still be very productive shooting the basketball. Again, in the limited role as a role player, he's good. I'm paying farewells to Paulus Yankunas. Of course, he's retiring. Um, I wouldn't keep Mantas Kanietis, to be honest. I love Mantas Kanietis. He's a great guy. I wouldn't have him on my EuroLeague team. I'm getting rid of Yanis Strelnik. I'm getting oh, rid of Ty Webster. I'm getting rid of basically everybody, yeah. to be honest. And I'm getting rid of the whole idea about the Lithuanian team. There are not enough quality Lithuanians that could win Affordable games in, in EuroLeague. You cannot sign, let's say, Rokas Gedraitis at the moment and some other Lithuanians. Like You cannot bring back Rokas Jokubaitis from Barcelona. Mm. So my idea is to invest to a good coach, first of all, and then five or six Americans, but they have to be leading players, quality players, not role players. Algiris this season is a team build of role players. Mm. No stars, no leaders. So I would try to do something that Bayern Munich is doing. Signing good, uh, best case scenario, experienced players like Darren Hilliard, for example. Mm. And this is where where I could see Jalgiris getting back to how they were playing before when, when they were with Shurnas Isikavichus. Uh, maybe I would keep Kalnietis as my fifth guard just because I would like to have him involved in my coaching staff uh, in the near future, probably after the next uh, season. Uh, as a player for a Marius Grigonis role, I would like to have Ignas Brzdekis. And if we are talking about Lithuanians... I wouldn't gamble, to be honest, with Ignas Brzdekis. We're talking about him only because he has a Lithuanian citizenship. Not really. I, I mean... Did he play so many professional games. basketball games? G-League, professional basketball games. G-League is not so professional, although it's improving a lot. But I just saw him playing in NCAA. I saw him in the Summer League. I saw some of his games in the G-League. I just see the same kind of profile player like Marius Grigonis was. He still needs to learn, to improve. But I would like to have him in Jargiris, really, because he has the same qualities. He's just not as good defensively. But especially as a Lithuanian, if we need these few good Lithuanians, I would give a shot with Ignas Brzdekis. Then, of course, I would have an, let's say, I would try to get an elite point guard for Jalgiris, uh, as much as you can afford uh, for Jalgiris having a good, good uh, point guard player. I might, I also might try with, uh, I need something next to Arturas Milaknis. Probably I'm keeping Arturas Milaknis as well as my 11th, 12th player. But I need to think about shooters. And I would highly consider uh, bringing Davidas uh, Servidis as my shooter off the bench as a small forward. Yep. Oh, yep. yep. These Lithu- G League players, Lithuanians that haven't played professional basketball or barely played professional basketball. I need some potential for Jarget's team. I need some Lithuanian players with potential. This is where we're having a debate because my idea is to stop signing Lithuanians purely because they are from Lithuania. My idea is to sign 
players that are ready to I play agree. and deliver. But looking for a future, I mean, Kalinetis is retiring, retiring Malaknis is uh, retiring. They won't have any Lithuanians left. So Servidis is uh, how many years old? He's 21. Uh, I have Marek Blažević, for example, as my project. Yeah, so I, would, I would keep him, of course, as a young At least youngster. two projects for Žargiris, that's a good thing. So Sirit is not playing a lot. Again, it's a 10, 15 minute uh, this is, player. This is where our um, point of view differs because I don't need Lithuanians. Um, my pr- priority is to add aggressiveness, athleticism, physicality, and scoring power, completely changing the roster. And first of all, point guards, shooting guards, players that create because modern day basketball is not about the bigs, not about the centers. It's about those players that handle the ball and create opportunities. So this is where I would invest most of my money. I would definitely get rid of Joffrey Laverne. He's too expensive oh, yeah, yeah, to be a, to be a center for me. I could think about Josh Nebo. I see room for improvement. He hasn't reached his ceiling yet, although when he jumps, it seems like he's reaching the ceiling. Although it would be hard to keep him in Jargiris. Um, I would see, but I would need somebody similar in the center position. Um, so, I mean, my team, maybe Lithuanians would not love it until it starts winning because there would be like four Lithuanian role players and eight foreigners, mainly Americans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My Jagiris roster is pretty much the same because maybe I would even uh, get rid of uh, Arturas Malaknes. That's why I'm uh, bringing David Servides to have a Lithuanian uh, shooter. Okay. Marek Blažević as a backup, probably. It's of too course, early the coach is, is the most important No, no, no thing. coach Signing is the biggest investment for Jagiris. Right I hope that the market will be generous uh, for Jagiris. Okay, so three quick overtime questions. Uh, we're uh, getting into the bonus area. And the first one comes from Gingerbread. Uh, Gingerbread, I wanted to ask you what is your favorite Euroleague, Euroleague player currently and of all time? For me, currently, Hazani and Czech Aitzen of all time. For me, currently, is Mike James. Okay. I just love everything about Mike James. James. I love everything about Mike James. For me, basketball is entertainment. I'm watching basketball to get entertained. And Mike James is an entertainer. Um, when he wants to be the best player on the court, he is the best player on the court. His issues, uh, they are related to something that happens off the court or inside the locker room, dealing with the coach or whatever. I don't know what happened in Moscow or what's happening in Monaco. But Mike James is definitely my favorite player right now, and I'm always cheering for him wherever he plays. And I enjoy following him on Twitter as well. Yeah, Mike James. <laughs> for love me, it, love him. For me, it was always hard to. I, I was never. A, I I didn't admire one player. Uh, okay, during some years, maybe these, let's say, my favorite players, they were changing constantly. So I never, I was never a fan, a big fan of just Michael Jordan or Allen Iverson or Kobe Bryant. I like the game in general, but currently, uh, I always uh, loved. Uh, success stories. I always uh, loved uh, hard, uh, hard workers, um, hustle players, uh, disciplined players as well, um, team players, and 
recently I wrote a story about John Brown, so that was my easy easy choice uh, for the current uh, Euroleague. Uh, he started his pro career in the second Italian division, played for 40,000 euros uh, per month. Uh, he was always questioned if he would uh, fit uh, Division One teams in Italy, in Germany, because he cannot stretch the, f- the floor. He's too short, he's too weak uh, for a center position, so where he would uh, he could play. And uh, a lot of people passed on him because they just couldn't find him in the, the position on the court. And uh, uh, but as people close to John Brown said that you don't have to find his position on the court because he will find it and he finally fi- found it and he finally got a chance and on a higher level and in Unix he's just shining and he's the biggest reason why Unix are so successful this year an all time all time player as I said for me it was always difficult uh, difficult but I thought say something I have to say that uh, I'm not uh, have to say I'm not proud of this story. But if I w- I was as close to be as that kind of you know fan of one player, probably probably it was Sharas, because I had his jersey from uh, Garuna Market, uh, of course, and I actually had my uh, hair colored uh, in 2003 or <laughs> four. Yeah. <laughs> because he was a golden boy was, by that time. Was. I was 11 years old, so so yeah, um, I made that mistake. But I look good, actually. I, I got a lot of good I words from girls in, I, in school. I can't imagine that. <laughs> well, for me, actually, it, it is, of course, Manu Ginobili, first of all, but it's kind of unfair to name him as your all-time favorite EuroLeague player because mm. he's my favorite basketball player, and you associate him more with... with the Spurs then with Bologna. So Euroleague player, my favorite. There are two guys I'm thinking about. Both played together. It was John Robert Holden and Trajan Langdon. I was always imitating both of them when I was playing basketball in high school. I don't know which one to pick. Maybe Holden because he's more flashy. Mm-hmm. Used to love love to see him taking those jump shots off the dribble. There were not so many players doing it at that time in Europe the way he did. So John Robert Holden also always has his head up, chewing gum. He was Alan Iverson of the Euroleague. But his defensive abilities were also amazing. So, yeah, John Robert Holden, a winning player. I would also have Trajan Langdon as my like top five of Trajan Langdon time right? players. also him being from Alaska and he had and a different approach he was not usual typical American player he was an he or- was so unorthodox but yeah yeah I remember when he went for his free throw routine you see his biceps mm-hmm. like he was with lifting weights before the so game <laughs> I'm not so sure he ever smiled yeah but he had um Great basketball IQ, and now now he's now he's a GM. Yeah. So Trajan Langdon is a legend. And Konstantinos uh, Christofis, uh, Labas guys. Oh, you, yeah, you said it correctly. Uh, so my question is rather funny one for a change. Uh, fuck Mary Kill, Rudy Fernandez, Luigi La Monica, or Ergin Atman. Very easy, very easy. You have to kill the referee. Every <laughs> everybody hates referees. You killed the referee. So, sorry, Gigi La Monica. You fuck Rudy Fernandez. So passionate and you know, I mean, 
many Lithuanian fans, or not just Lithuanian fans, French fans, either, they would kill Rudy Fernandez, actually. And you, can you imagine that in 2013, Rudy Fernandez was assaulted by fans in the arena, uh, and he was hit yeah. by head. It was... It's so crazy, crazy to imagine. It's a shame, and that it happened in let's say nowadays. I, I was really ashamed that it happened. It, it's a really big yeah. shame for Lithuanian basketball. But in the game of ago. fuck Mary Hill, yeah. since I'm killing Luigi Lamonica, it's very easy for me to choose. I'm not Rudy killing Fernandes. Luigi Lamonica. I'm marrying him. You're marrying Luigi Lamonica. because for me, he seems to be disciplined, polite, experienced well-educated guy. But he's the referee. There's literally a documentary named Kill the Referee. It's on YouTube. <laughs> and <laughs> Luigi LaMonica was the main uh, star of that? Uh, no, no, it was enough. about football, about Howard Webb, if, if I remember correctly. But you're marrying Ergin Ataman. Yes. He's very unpredictable. He's, He's a family wild. man. He's a family. You see, now that he has his son. Okay, Sarf is great. He's changing. But he's so strict, he's so hard. But maybe in household, he's different. I, I'm not so sure. I don't want to marry Rudy Fernandez, to be honest. No, no, no. I, I would, just I, fucking I would, him in. I wouldn't handle all the Spanish fiestas and everything. And <laughs> so all these flops. No, and no, no, no. I hope, I hope Ergin Ataman is a family man. And I'm marrying Ergin Ataman. I'm just killing him because I'm afraid of Ataman. Because if I'm not killing him, he would kill me. Kill me. That's so how so you're saying if I marry Ergin Ataman, he will kill me? Probably. Eventually. Uh, yeah. That's the risk I'm willing to take. <laughs> okay. And the last one, 13th one, Robert White asks you to make another impression of Russian sideline reporters. <laughs> <clears throat> you knew that this was coming. Okay, coach, you had 47 <laughs> points first half, so offense is okay, but what about defense, coach? <sighs> okay. Uh. So, first <laughs> oh, quarter was so good, but then you lost lead. What happened, coach? With all the respect <laughs> of our Russian colleagues, we had we have a lo actually a lot of great uh, Russian journalists. So we already made sports through, and <laughs> we're not we're not offending anybody. It's kind of the biggest achievement <laughs> in my life so far. International making it to sports through yeah. because I I read sports through a lot. Yeah, and especially the comment section. Okay, we so being in the headlines. Was something that I'm really proud and of. There, there was nothing political actually. Mm. You're not making nope. Uh, nope. Im impressions. Only of basketball, yeah. sports, and some comedy. Yeah, comedy is is good. So okay, okay, that's that's all, guys. Yeah, we all had enough of this. Thanks a lot. Thanks for watching. Follow us on all the audio platforms. Actually, he picked Rudy Gobert over Nikola Jokic. Yes, that's what I did. That's what I did. And I'm waiting for all the hate from Serbian fans and uh, Ritis fans as well. <laughs> See you next time.